Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. I'm so thankful that Legacy Church is a church that really wants to just show love to all the generations. So today we do get to dive into the topic of we say yes to the next generation. And so I am, I was kind of encouraged because last week, Pastor Moult, he read a lot of scripture to us, which I love the word of God. I love scripture and it gives me more permission to read more scripture to you all uh, because, you know, if anybody can agree to this, you don't want to hear my words as much. You'd rather hear the words of Christ, right? You'd rather hear from the word of God rather than lame. So we're going to be reading out of Matthew. We're going to be reading out of Matthew today. And I want us to turn to Matthew 19, chapter 19. And we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 15. That's where we're going to start. This is really what kind of like set the tone for what this message is all about for us today. So it says, one day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples, his friends, scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. But Jesus said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. And that is the verse I want us to really dive into today. It really sets the tone for everywhere we're going to go. Let the children come to me. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank you for the opportunity to dive into your word and to break bread with each other and and to just really dive into this. And, And God, I pray that you just help all of us in this room to get something from your word today. Open our hearts, open our minds. Let us be touched. Let us be persuaded. Let us be affected by your words so that we can go and change the world around us. God, I thank you for all the generations represented here today. I thank you for what you're doing in this church and in your church on this earth. So God, I pray that you just be with us this morning. Be with us today. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to be reading through a couple different passages here with us today. And I encourage you, if you have your uh, notebook, take some notes. If you have your bulletin, I've got the should be set up for notes in there as well. But the reason I say this is I have spent hours this past week really diving into the word. And I, I know that when we come on a Sunday, you don't get the luxury of just sitting and ignoring me and reading your word over and over and over again. So I want to say, take down these references because I think I am only scratching the surface of what God has in store for us. I'm only going to scratch the surface of what God is trying to speak to us with these passages that we look at today. And, you know, today we are going to be looking at the next generation and how we would say yes to the next generation. And so I think that in order to do that, we have to first figure out who is the next generation and then why should we say yes to the next generation? So it's pretty easy, but who is the next generation? Now, we've talked about it already, but children represent the next generation. 
Children would be the easiest example. In fact, the scriptures I referenced today, I'm going to be using the word children quite a bit, but that also goes beyond children to our youth. Like I mentioned before, our sixth to 12th graders, our high schoolers, even the college age youth that are in our nation, in our valley, in our homes, these would also represent the next generation. In a broader sense though, the next generation is anyone coming up behind you in years. Anyone that is just behind where you are in your stage of life. So if you're in your 70s and 80s, 40s and 50s would be the next generation for you. If you're in your 40s and 50s, maybe the 20 and 30 year olds, those would be the next generation after you. And so you kind of have a benefit the older you are because you get a big variety of pool to choose from when I'm talking about this next generation. You can pick and choose who you think today this message applies to. But the reason why we want to say yes to the next generation is because Jesus wants us to say yes to the next generation. Now, if you've been in Sunday school, you know Jesus is the answer to every single question that they ask, right? Well, today, that is the case. This is going to be the answer to that question. The reason we say yes to the next generation is because Jesus wants us to say yes to the next generation. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 18, and we're also going to be looking at Matthew chapter 21. So the chapters surrounding chapter 19 that we start with. And I do have three points for us today because it wouldn't be a legacy church message without three points, right? You have to have three points. Otherwise, Pastor Tony will have a conversation with you. (laughs) So I've put our three points in our bulletin, but our three points are going to be three separate questions. And I think that these three questions, if we answer these, can point us into the direction of how we can say yes to the next generation. And so they're going to be, what are we to learn from the next generation? What are we to show the next generation? And then what are we to join together with the next generation in? And I believe that once we answer these, we'll have a better idea of how we are to say yes. So let's first open our books, our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. And we'll read it together. Verse one says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, So who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a small child and had him stand among them. Truly, I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Moving on to verse 10, it says, See to it that you don't despise one of these little ones, because I tell you that in heaven their angels continually view the face of my Father in heaven. Verse 14, It is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And I love this passage because I think it's a big teaching opportunity for us. Yes, Jesus, the Jesus we know, he is loving, he is peaceful, he he is so kind and generous. Yes, those things are true. But every now and then Jesus drops a bomb on people. Like, it'd be better for you to kill yourself than to hurt a child. Like, that's pretty serious. So, 
if we look at the context of this verse, I wanted to look at the context of this before we go any further. Chapter 18 and 19 and 21, these passages are all taking place in the days, if not weeks, before Jesus dies for our sins. And so Jesus serves for three years of ministry. And how fitting that in the last days and weeks, he starts spending time talking about what's most important. What's most important to Jesus? And he starts to point to children as being what is most important in our life. See, when we look at Matthew 18, Jesus is walking along with his disciples, his close friends, and they come to him or are arguing amongst themselves with a question. Who is the greatest of all time is essentially what they're asking. Jesus, who is the goat when it comes to heaven is what they're saying. Now, if you think about it, that was 2,000 years ago, and we're still having this debate, right? We're still talking about who is the greatest of all time. You know, it, well, I'm not talking about soccer. I don't know anything about that. But in my circles, you can talk about who is the greatest quarterback of all time? Who is the greatest basketball of all time? And that's the thing. If you're like me and you know the right answer, it's Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. But you can still have a debate about these kinds of things, right? And so it's interesting that 2,000 years ago, these guys are like, Jesus, who's on the Mount Rushmore in heaven? Like, who is the greatest when it comes to heaven? And, and I don't know if they were being playful, if they were joking with Jesus, knowing that he clearly is God and, and things like that. But I love that Jesus takes this moment as a teaching opportunity. Knowing that he doesn't have much longer on this earth, he takes this moment to pull his guys aside and says, let me grab this child right here and put him in the center and tell you, this child is the greatest in heaven. And this had to be a surprise to these guys. I mean, these are manly men. These are fishermen. These are hardworking. These guys work with their hands. And Jesus grabs a child and points to him and says, unless you become like this child, by no means will you enter the kingdom of heaven. And like, that's a serious thing, right? He's pointing to this child and says, you need to become like this child in order to even get into heaven. And it's not just that he wants them to become like children and shrink down and be playful kids, but he says that the key is to be humble. So what are we to learn from the next generation? Humility is what we're to learn from the next generation. See, I believe that the answer lies in humility. We must be humble. And no, not in the Kendrick Lamar sense of the word humble. And that's a reference for you youth. If you didn't get it, that's fine. It's just a rap song from 2017. That's okay. But humility is the key. And I thought about this and I was like, how interesting that Jesus points to children as being examples of humility. Like that doesn't automatically pop into my head unless I actually start to look at kids. Unless I start to spend time with children. And then I can see how obvious it is. Like when I think about a child, a child does not care about their power or prestige in this world. Right. A child doesn't care about the role that they play in today's society. They don't care about ruling and conquering and taking on the world. Like a child is naturally just inherently humble. Like when a child is not going to take credit for gifts that they're given. 
Like if you go on Christmas Day and you see a child opening up presents, they aren't opening those presents with an expectation that they deserve everything that's under that tree. If you go to a Christmas, a birthday party, excuse me, and a child's opening up presents, they're not saying, oh, because I earned these presents, obviously I'm getting these gifts. Like a child doesn't have that sense of like, I have done enough works to earn favor with my parents, so now they will give me gifts. Humility is also a child depending on their parents to take care of them. So they, they don't even think about the need to have someone taking care of their needs. I think about my own daughter. She's 10 months old going on 16 with her attitude. But she doesn't think about the need for nutrients and food, but she has a mother who lovingly will care for her and put together these meals and, and pouches and design these ingredients and put them together so that my child is taken care of. I think about this past weekend, we went camp, we went hiking, and my wife meticulously packed all this food for our trip. So when we go six miles into the wilderness, our daughter has food. Now, I may have forgotten the food on the counter, <laughs> but thankfully there is a parent who loves the daughter enough to have a hideaway stash and keeps food for her daughter. Okay? I'm learning. It's still 10 months. I'm, all, I'm learning. I'm new at this. But a child's humility is just the sense of knowing that their father and mother are going to take care of them. That's all going to be okay. And so I look at our church and I wonder, are we living lives in humility? Are we living a life where we can trust that our father will take care of our needs? Are we living a life that we don't care about what roles and positions that we have in our church and our job, that we just want to do the best that we can do because we love the family that we're a part of? Like, are we going about our life knowing that everything will be okay and I don't have to strive and stress for it? We have been given a free gift of salvation. But are we still working so hard to earn that salvation? So I think about these children and I, and I think about this room and I'm hoping that even though when you think about children, sometimes humility and humbleness is not the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about youth and you think about kids and you think about the next generation. But I want to encourage you to take some time to get to know some of these kids. Take some time to get to know the next generation and find the humility that they show you. Find the lessons that can be taught to you. Because Jesus said to look at the children. So now that we've answered the first question of who, what are we to learn from the next generation? Let's tackle that second question. What are we to show the next generation? Which takes me to verse 5 of Matthew 18. It says, And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. Now, how many of you walked into church today and said hi to a kid when you walked in? There we go. Frashers, you guys know what you're doing over there. You are always, if you don't know Greg and Callie, they are always serving the kids. Obviously, they're up on our screen. But they are crushing it with kid, getting the kids' names, hanging out with them. Some weird voices come out of Greg sometimes when he's hanging out with kids. Now. Say that. There you go. <laughs> but... 
I think the answer to that question isn't quite as easy as just saying hi to kids when you walk in the building. Speaking of saying hi to kids when you walk in the building, how many of you know that we have an incredible hospitality team at this church, right? Man, they are always looking for volunteers to help out in the parking lot team, people greeting you at the door. There are people that put together the coffee and the snacks and all these things. And I want to remind you, yes, I've already plugged Legacy Kids as being a room for volunteers, but our hospitality team that Pastor Paula does an incredible job overseeing, they're also looking for volunteers. And I'm going to keep plugging all these different departments in our church because in order for our church to actually successfully run, we need you all to serve, right? I'm so glad there's more than just Pastor Tony and Pastor Paul saying amen to that. So glad. But when I think about this verse and, I, and it says, and whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me, I think it's a little deeper than just that word welcoming. So I went and looked up the Greek meaning of what that word means. Now, Evie is in the room, and Evie knows Greek, so I apologize if I mispronounce this. The Greek word for this is dekomai. She's not giving me any good look, so I'm going to keep going with that. Dekomai, okay? So Jesus is telling his disciples, I want you to dekomai the children. Now, English has a really good way of dumbing down the meaning of words, where it says, Jesus saying dekomai, and we're like, welcome, period. There you go. You got it. But the Greek meaning goes much deeper than that. The Greek meaning to this word would mean to receive or admit, to grant access to, to welcome, to receive with great hospitality, to entertain, to embrace, to share with, and to teach. That is all wrapped up in this one word that Jesus is saying. He's saying, I don't want you just to say hi and welcome the children. I want you to entertain the children. I want you to embrace the children. I want you to support and encourage and uplift and engage and make room for the children. That's what I'm asking you to do. And the word dekomai is actually used throughout the Bible. And the context that is being used in is when people are entertaining royalty in their homes. When people are having prestigious guests in their homes and they lavish them in gifts and open their doors and put food, their best table, everything is wrapped up in this word for the best that could come into your life. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to show radical hospitality to children. That is what I'm commanding you to do. If you love me, you need to show radical hospitality to the children. Because in doing so, then you're showing radical hospitality to me. And I love that that is such a priority, even built into this church, that we have it put on our walls, to show radical hospitality to all. So I love that the answer to this question, to our second point, is hospitality. Hospitality is what we need to be showing the next generation. Legacy Church, I'm hoping that we are a church that's willing to lay down our lives and sacrifice for the next generation. To sacrifice our time, to open up our homes, to be willing to teach, to be willing to embrace, to be willing to uplift and put other children and youth and different generations before us to sacrifice our own lives. 
Because truly, this is what Jesus wants for us. I think another way that you can see how important this command is by Jesus is the fact that it comes with a warning. Immediately after Jesus is saying to show hospitality to children, he gives us a warning. He says that if anyone were to cause harm to this child and cause this child to stumble in their belief in him, it would be better that they hang a millstone around their neck and thrown into the ocean. Heavy, heavy warning, showing the importance of the responsibility it is for us to teach our children. And yes, I understand, I'm an adult, I get it. Stumbling blocks and doubts and concerns, those are gonna come up on their own. Like if you've been on this earth long enough, you're gonna have some doubts, you're gonna have some concerns, and those are gonna come up. But Jesus is very careful in saying, don't you dare cause a child to have a stumbling block in their life. Don't you dare cause doubt to be in their mind. Protect these children, fight for these children, make room for these children. The same word that Jesus used when he says stumbling block is the same word that Paul uses in Romans when he's talking to churches about do not cause division and do not cause false teaching amongst the churches. So yes, we are called to teach, to embrace, and to lift up and encourage these children. But we are also given a responsibility not to ever cause them to doubt to have concerns, to have fears about their belief in the Savior. So I want us to look for opportunities, church. I want us to think about the responsibility that God is putting on us. Because I truly believe the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy the next generation. Like if you turn on the news, you're going to see that this world is hurting, this world is broken, and the world is trying to take our children. This world is trying to take our youth. And we've seen it generation after generation that there's doubts creeping in, doubts creeping into the church, doubts creeping into our homes. And we are called to protect our homes, to protect the next generation. So it's a command by Jesus for us to take that responsibility greatly. And so I want us to think about it. Are we willing to put our lives on the line? Are we willing to invest a Sunday coming in here, waking up early and serving in Legacy Kids because Jesus wants us to show hospitality to our kids. Are you willing to pray for our youth group? Are you willing to serve uh, at the lock-ins? <laughs> Are you willing to stay up all night with these kids just to make sure that they're safe, that they're protected? Are you in your 60s and 70s and are you willing to open up your home to somebody in their 30s and 40s and let them in your home, let them feel a sanctuary, show them a meal, just embrace them in, their, in your arms? Broken families, are you willing to pick up the pieces as a church and put these pieces back together? I think it's worth it for us because Jesus says it's worth it to us. So I want to keep challenging us. I want us to think about our own lives. Are we showing radical hospitality to the next generation? So now that we've answered those two questions, I want us to hit our third question. And to do that, I want us to jump to chapter 21 in Matthew. And we're going to start at verse 14 in Matthew here. And it says this, And the blind and the lame came to him, Jesus, in the temple, and he healed them. 
When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders that he did, and they saw the children shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus replied, Yes. Have you never read? You have prepared praise from the mouths of children and infants. And so I've said it before, but I love that this is literally days before Jesus is crucified. And where do we find Jesus? In the presence of children again. Healing the lame, healing the sick, healing the people, ministering to people, and are surrounded by children. Now, to give us a little more context, right before this, Jesus has just cleansed the temple. He's walked into the temple, and they had made it, in his words, a den of thieves. They were stealing from people. They were selling things. They were just making a mockery of what the temple was designed to be. So Jesus comes in and corrects the wrong, and then he ministers to those people, which I think is fitting how sometimes Jesus has to correct us before he can minister to us. Are we willing to be corrected so that we can be ministered to? That's another message we'll let Pastor Tony touch on. <laughs> but these adults we find in the situation are getting upset because of the miracles being done, but also they're upset because these children are in the temple praising Jesus. And maybe the children were being too loud. Maybe they weren't praising in the correct manner. Maybe they shouldn't have been in that section of the temple. Maybe there was a space designed for children that they could have went to, but they were in the wrong space and causing a distraction in the temple. Whatever the case, these men got upset because the children were being loud as they praised Jesus. They were singing Hosanna to the son of David, talking about Jesus. And when the adults scoffed at the children, Jesus points right back to the words of David to these adults. I mean, he, they're saying he is the son of David, so why not tell them who David was talking about? So he points to Psalms chapter 8, verse 2, and it says this, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and avenger. Jesus once again points to the children, children who have a heart postured for what's right, children who are humble, children who should be welcomed and embraced, children who are worth our time, children who are worthy to inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus chose those children. And I love that passage. I love the fact that Jesus is saying, from the mouths of children and infants, there is power to silence the enemy. Come on. The enemy will be silenced by infants. And when I think about this, I look at the context of what's taking place in this passage. Because yes, children are praising Jesus. Children are surrounding Jesus and they're praising him. But if we look back at verse 9 in chapter 21, we see the bigger picture. This is when Jesus is entering into the city gates in Jerusalem. And it says that the crowds that went before him and the crowds that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And what I love about this verse 
is that yes, children are praising Jesus there, but who taught the children to praise? Who taught the children the words to use? Who first said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna? The adults. The adults taught the children how to praise the king. And I look at this and I think about our church. How beautiful is it that we are an intergenerational church that comes together on Sundays and worships our king and sings Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I think about in my own life, I have a 10 month old daughter and my daughter will sit in the back and she will stretch her arms out during worship and she will be on my shoulders and she screams at the top of her lungs and sings words that don't make any sense. And you know who taught my daughter how to sing and worship? You. This church taught my infant how to praise the king in a way that can silence the enemy. That's what this church does. This church has taught generation after generation after generation how to praise the king. If you've been around here, you know that Maggie comes up here on stage in the middle of worship and will start singing and praising in front of all of us in the middle of worship. And it's because we taught her to do it. And so now she gets to be up here fighting our battles. She's leading us into worship. And I talked to some of you guys when you were here and praying for that. And you were like, this girl has unified our church. This six-year-old girl does not understand the power that she has over the kingdom of darkness. And they will not prevail against her life because she's an example for this church. And that's what this church has done. That's what we're called to do. We are called to join together in Hosanna to our King. That's our calling. We are called to come together and worship our Savior together. When I think about the older generations in this room and how they have come together to pray, how they have come together decade after decade, you have actually set the tone for where we're going. And when I talk to some of you, I know that some of you are weary. Some of you are tired. You've been fighting battles a lot longer than some of us. And the beautiful thing is, when we look at this verse in chapter 21, the children are continuing to sing praises when the adults are wore out. The children will keep reminding us why we're fighting our battles. So it's our job to join with them. It's our job to praise him together. And I truly believe that is why legacy is supposed to be an intergenerational church. In Psalm chapter 22, it says this, but you are holy God enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. Church, when we praise together, it brings hope. When we praise him together, it brings hope to the next generation. When we sing Hosanna together, it brings hope to the generations past. So clearly, an intergenerational church provides hope for all. That is why we're building our church the way we're building it. 
We're doing this because we are called to say yes to the next generation. I want our church to continue to say yes to the next generation. I want our church, church to look at the next generation and see humility and posture ourselves in the same way. To look at a child and spend time with them and embrace them and show them radical hospitality because Jesus values them. And if we call ourselves a believer, if we call ourselves a Christ follower, how can we call ourselves that? If we're not willing to show a child that we value them, how will they ever think that their father in heaven values them? How are we supposed to call ourselves a believer if we're not willing to join with this generation, join with the next generation in praises together? Not look for the differences, not look for division, not try to find separation. We are called to join together in singing Hosanna with each other. I want this church to continue to build its foundation, continue to build on that. I want my daughter to keep coming in and keep worshiping, seeing you guys leading the way. I want these generations after generations to be able to tell each other, remember what happened in 23? When 2023, God did a miracle. Remember what happened? Because, because now Maggie is here worshiping and leading us in worship 20 years later because we came together and prayed on a Sunday night. So yes, I am putting the challenge out there. I am asking you to go out there and talk to Ashley Hoover and go and talk to our kids director and say, hey, where can I actually show that I'm willing to show hospitality to these kids? I know it's a sacrifice. I know it means I have to get up early and I have to serve one and attend one. I know that's gonna make it for a little bit longer. But when you think about it, we don't get that much time with these kids before they move up into the next generation. So are we willing, are we willing to say yes to the next generation? Now, if you're in the room and, and maybe you were part of a generation that got forgotten, maybe you didn't have somebody show radical hospitality to you. Maybe somebody hurt you. Maybe somebody threw you away and made it so you didn't want to believe in this God. That free gift of salvation, that hospitality, that love that we're talking about is still available for you. And if you want to accept that, I want to encourage you to go to back to our prayer corner and talk to somebody back there because they want to show that love to you. They want to love on you. They want to help guide you in a prayer that's just going to dedicate your life to this Savior that's willing to die for you. And speaking of dying for you, we have communion tables set up here on the sides of the sanctuary here. And if while we're singing this last song, you want to come up here and you want to just take some time to remember what that Savior did for you, what that Savior did for you and what he gave up his life for you, then I want you to come up here and I want you to partake in communion and remember the sacrifice that was made for you so that we can join together in church and be able to love on others. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna join together with youth, with older generation. We're gonna stand side by side. We're gonna close our service today and we're gonna sing Hosanna with each other. We're gonna sing praises together because we are a church that's intergenerational. We are a church that loves one another. We are a church that believes that there's hope for all. So please stand to your feet, join with me. Let's stretch out our hands and let's praise our King together and sing Hosanna. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. 
To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.